remission of sin. And so you can't get rid of the blood because uh, if you get rid of the blood, you get rid of salvation. And so I'm thankful for that tonight. Let me make some announcements. Um, well, this is bad. I can't read my own writing here. All right, here we go. Don't forget, on the 30th, that's a week from Sunday, we'll be having a special service with Brother Matthew Caudle preaching that morning. We'll get started at 10.30. Uh, that's on the 30th. We won't have Sunday school that morning. We'll get started at 10.30 a.m. And uh, Brother Matthew, he'll be here preaching for us that morning. His wife will be here with him, and they'll, they'll uh, sing that morning. He'll do the preaching. And uh, we'll have a good dinner um, after the service if all y'all will do that cooking y'all normally do and so uh, make sure you bring some good food that day all right and uh, we'll we'll have a good time of fellowship out in the fellowship hall uh, over some good food and that that'll be a week from Sunday that's the 30th 10:30 a.m. don't forget that I'll uh, of course make some calls and remind everybody and uh, also don't forget about the food pantry thank you for uh, giving faithfully to that we've got several things that we've been able to build up in that now and uh, we are hoping to uh, have a drive-through if I can finish getting all the everything together we're gonna we're hoping to be able to do a drive-through food pantry and give one box of food uh, per car uh, that comes through, and we're hoping to be able to do that maybe the first Saturday in August. And so what we're going to do, I'm going to advertise it out and just say, you know, it'll be, you know, at, at such and such time until we run out of food. And I'm looking forward to being able to be a blessing because every one of those boxes, we're going to have, uh, we're going to have tracks in them. We're going to have the gospel in them. We're going to have Bibles. And uh, I'm thankful, you know, we need to pray that God would, uh, um, um, help that be productive. And, um, and so uh, pray that he sends people and, and we can be a blessing to them. Also, here's something very special. Y'all don't want to uh, forget this. Next Friday. Okay, I wrote it down, so I won't forget. Next Friday night um, at 630, uh, 6.30 p.m. Friday night, that'll be the 28th. Um, over at Miss Dawn's house, we're going to have a party. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I, I knew I'd get a laugh out of that. Uh, but no, seriously, uh, Miss Dawn is uh, moving into her mother's house and uh, her mother's old house. And uh, it's just absolutely been a blessing. What Miss Dawn wants us to do is uh, um, she, uh, she wants us to have a service in that house and uh, pray and uh, just thank God for his goodness and pray his blessing over that home, that house. And uh, I think that's just perfect. Um, I think that's in order. And so next Friday night at 6.30, and uh, y'all want to write this down, it's uh, 1454 Red Brush Road, okay? 1454 Red Brush Road. Uh, we're going to meet over there at 6.30. You got plenty of parking? Yeah. Okay. Okay, which is just next door. I got you. Okay, good. That'd be great. Mess your yard up and everything. Have to fix it. All right. 
but I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to meet over there at 6.30 next Friday night. We're going to have, we're going to sing some songs. Uh, we're going to uh, quote some scripture. Might even have a little preaching. And uh, we're going to pray over her house and uh, ask God to bless her and her home. And, uh, and I think that's just perfect, like I said. So, um, so, and completely different, and I'm excited about it. And so y'all come out and help us. And uh, if nobody shows up, Miss Dawn, me and my wife and the kids will be there and we'll have a good time. But y'all sh- show up, okay? Everybody come and um, we'll have a good time. Huh? You're, you're going to be on vacation. I'm sorry. We'll do it again. We'll do it again. Hey, Miss Dawn, so we'll go do that next Friday, and then how about in a couple weeks we'll just go over there and have Bible study? Oh, that's fine. See? See? Put her on the spot. She's Yes, absolutely. I want to start making calls out. Bible study at Dawn's house tonight. And, uh, but we can do that so y'all are included. Yeah. I will, too. Look, I'll get a date. Miss Dawn, we'll get a date, won't we? We'll do it. I'll announce that after next week. So, but I've I've been putting her. I hadn't put her off, but we've been trying to plan this for a while, and uh, so yeah, next Friday. I tell you what, Miss Marcy. Here's what we need to do. We'll Facetime. We'll Facetime you. I know it ain't the same. I know it ain't the same. Just don't be in Nashville, okay? <laughs> I got you. I understand. Y'all mark it down. Y'all don't forget that, okay? And I'll, I'll call and remind everybody. And uh, and then we'll have a we'll have a Bible study night over there too. So Miss Marsh and everybody can get yeah. We'll make this a regular thing. <laughs> Hey, that's how they did it in the Bible when they got run out. Yeah, you know, ain't nothing wrong with it. But uh, anyways, next Friday, don't forget that. I'm excited about it. Y'all come, support us, and and we'll have a good time. And uh, thank God for it. All right. I think that's all I got. That's all I got. That's all I got. We're good. All right. Y'all take your Bibles tonight. Find the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter and... I was so glad to hear about the good services y'all had while I was away. I hope it didn't have anything to do with the fact that I was away. But anyways, <laughs> anyways I'm picking. Y'all get that after a while. Uh, but I uh, heard y'all had some good services. I was thankful to uh, praising God and thankful to God for that. And uh, had some good preaching, had some good teaching. And uh, that is always in order, and I'm thankful for it. Uh, take your Bibles tonight, 1 Peter chapter number 3, and uh, I'm treading some thin ice tonight with this passage. I read it last week, and we're going all the way through the book of 1 Peter, and uh, we find ourselves tonight in 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in chapter number 3, and I read this and I thought, oh me, Lord, can I 
just go on. But anyways, it'll be all right. Uh, you get in, you'll find out in a minute, we'll read the scripture and you'll find out why it's uh, uh, thin ice and hot water. So anyways, this is a passage of scripture. You know, there's a lot of scripture that is not popular in the day in which we live. And uh, this one certainly is not popular in the day in which we live. Uh, this one is not even popular in the church. And so we're going to find out here. Take your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 3. If you found your place, let's stand in honor and reverence to the reading of the Word of God. And here in about 30 seconds, you're going to find out why I said what I did. All right, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 1. We'll begin reading here. The Bible says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great Price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, given honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together in the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Uh, I want to say before we get into this passage tonight, uh, I, I was at a marriage conference one time and I wrote a little note next to chapter number seven here and it says, marriage life and spiritual life go hand in hand. And that's what we're seeing right here in this passage. If your spiritual life is where it ought to be, uh, I'm telling you, I love the, probably the best illustration I ever saw having to do with the relationship between a husband and a wife is, is that if both of you will focus on God and have God where he is to be in your life, you both will draw unto each other and get closer as each one of you draw unto God and get closer to Him. He pulls us together and builds that relationship. And that's probably the best illustration I've ever seen, but a spiritual life and a marriage life go hand in hand. And so tonight, uh, we're going to look at this for just a little while and see what the Lord's got for us. You can be seated tonight. Thank you for standing. Uh, we're... You know, so far we've seen in the Bible, or we've seen how the Bible gives us word of instruction concerning our relationships with government and our relationships with employers. And now, uh, beginning in chapter number three, uh, the Bible is giving us instructions on how we relate in our homes. And the home is God's first and foremost institution. It is. And uh, when God created man and woman, he immediately placed them in a bond that should be the strongest of all human relationships. Um, now, I've often heard it like this, and, it, you know, I don't want to get too far off um, uh, off track here. I want to stay focused with what the Lord's given me tonight. But, um, you know, uh, if you know, I, I've seen growing up, I've seen uh, men give their life to the ministry and leave their family behind. And that's always been a, 
something of amazement to me because if, uh, you know, I've always thought, well, sir, pastor, preacher, uh, if you don't, ha- if you lose your family, you lose everything. As a matter of fact, to get into technicalities, if you lose your wife, you're no longer qualified to be a preacher. You're no longer qualified to pastor. And, uh, and you know, it's a big deal. But yet I've seen so many neglect their families, neglect their children. They have children that grow up uh, hating the ministry and anything having to do with church because they've always seen that as number one. Now, it should be a big place. But let me be clear that family, the home, was instituted first. In other words, if I lose my wife and I lose my children, I've lost everything else. Amen. And uh, these are not easy things to talk about. It's not, not really because they're unclear in the Word of God or anything like that. It's just because they are so unpopular. We live in a day when people feel and act and live like they can do whatever they want. It doesn't matter. But God has given us specific qualifications for a pastor, specific qualifications for a deacon, for a preacher. And, uh, you know, uh, I tell you, you lose that first institution, you've lost it. And uh, uh, I can't say that enough. The home is God's first and foremost institution. Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Now y'all, these things that I've just mentioned is the exact reason why the home has always been under the intense attack of Satan. See, if Satan can destroy the relationship between the members of the family, then he's destroyed the wonderful picture of salvation that the home portrays. Did you realize that tonight? That that what this world calls a Western nuclear family. And what that is, that's a, a man that's married to... Uh, that is one man that is married to one woman that have children, okay? That's a Western nuclear family. Do you realize that there is a picture of salvation in all of that? As a matter of fact, I'm careful to say this, but it is the truth. And uh, you you realize that a father in the home is really the first picture of God that a child has. And I don't say that disrespectively. I don't say that trying to get, give credit to a man. But you think about this. Uh, God is our heavenly Father. We are His children. We cry unto Him, calling Him Abba, Father, which literally means Daddy in, script, in, in Hebrew and Greek. And then, and then we, we see the children look at the example that the Father should set before them between his relationship with his wife and the love that they should share. Why is that? Because guess what? God is love. The Bible says. Uses one word to characterize himself. And and of course there's many characterizations of God in the Bible, but there's only one that comes out and just plainly says it's God is love. And so no wonder children are so confused in our day. 
No wonder that children grow up not knowing what to believe in and not knowing what to trust because you think of how many times that father and that mother go their separate ways and when the children ask why, the description or the explanation given oftentimes is, well, daddy just don't love mama no more. Mama just don't love daddy no more. And you think about that, if that father is the very first picture of God that that child has, then all of a sudden, well, that child, is God going to stop loving me? I'm just saying. The family is a serious thing. And the devil is working overtime trying to, to destroy the family. We see that. Uh, you know, the, the, the push for this uh, agenda in the nation today for the, uh, the transgender society and the LGBTQ and all of this, they're not families. I don't want to upset people. I don't want to burst nobody's bubble, but a man and a man is not a family. A woman and a woman is not a family. Somebody that doesn't know what their gender is, that's not, they cannot be a family because the only family that there is is one woman, one man. That is God's institution for the home. And we don't get to change that. And so uh, there's a wonderful picture of salvation in the home. And as a matter of fact, take your Bibles and go to Ephesians chapter 5 because I want to I show you this tonight. This is why it's so important. Just something as simple as what we look at as, oh, a father and a mother and a child. It's a picture of salvation. Look in Ephesians chapter 5. The Bible says here, Be ye therefore followers of God dear as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, which is, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be, ye, be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things are approved, may manifest for their, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore, he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. So, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding that the, what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of uh, our Lord Jesus Christ." Now, you're wondering, like, where, where is this going, preacher? Well, it's all in context. Let's keep reading. Verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. 
What is this talking? It's talking about there's a picture of salvation here about being, we, we've got the works of darkness. We've got what we used to do, but now we've been brought into salvation. And look in verse 21, the Bible says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That's what we've been talking about here in 1 Peter. Well, look at verse 22. It lines right up. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. But look at this. This is where we draw the picture together. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it, that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Hmm. You know why people get divorced a lot? Because they're selfish. I ain't saying it's both parties' fault sometimes. Sometimes it is, but people don't, people don't know how to put the needs of someone else in front of their own anymore. They don't want to submit. Hey, guess what? We've been talking about this over the past several weeks about submitting to God, submitting to government, submitting to uh, your employer. And, and the same is true. If you can't submit to your wife, husband, if... Wife, you can't submit to your husband. If you can't submit to your employer, if you can't submit to uh, uh, the authority figures in your life, how are you going to submit to God? It all goes together. It's this right here, every bit of it. Spiritual life and married life. I'm available for marriage conferences, by the way. Anyways, I'm joking right there. But look at let's let's keep reading. Verse 28, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause, <laughs> it's given us the example. This is the picture of marriage. It intertwines with the picture of of salvation. And it says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. <laughs> See, it's in black and white right there. I didn't make that up, that, that, that the marriage or an honorable home is a picture of salvation. I didn't make that up. It's Ephesians 5 right here, black and white. It says, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Okay, so now we've got the picture of salvation. We've got the husband. We've got the wife. And now, moving into chapter 6, look at what it says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So we, we see right here the plan for the home. 
there's obviously a man, a woman, and children. That's God's design for the home. The relationship between a husband and wife is a portrait of God's love for us. And you know, marriages are failing all over the world, and sadly, even Christian couples are struggling. And is it any wonder then that fewer and fewer people have any confidence in God and what He can do in their lives? I'm telling you, kids grow up and say, well, God didn't save my marriage. He didn't save mom and dad. He didn't save their marriage. And all that. I mean, I'm just saying, this is a big deal. And yet people look at divorce like it's just like buying a pack of gum at the convenience store. Even people in their churches don't see anything. And I'll go ahead and tell you, there's only one instance in the Bible as far as the teaching on divorce, I know this ain't very popular, but there's only one reason given by Jesus that stands as a, as, a, um, as a reason for divorce, and that is adultery, fornication, sexual sin. That's it. It's not just because you can't get along. It's not finances. It's not all these other reasons that we find. and It's sad. It really is. Marriage is a big deal to God. Why? Because it's a picture of His love through His Son and gave Himself for us. Why? Because He loved us. And so, and so Satan, Satan's no fool, y'all. Satan hates God, and I'll be honest with you, if I was the devil... And I wanted to get God where it hurt the most, it'd be in the family. It'd be in the institution of the home. It'd be in the institution of marriage. And you look around us and that's exactly where the devil is working his hardest. So, let me get in a text tonight. That's a long introduction. Let's get through this. Look in verse number 1 in our text, 1 Peter chapter 3, we find... I'm going to give you a few things tonight here and we'll get on and go to the house. But in verse number one, we find a submissive wife. A submissive wife. The Bible says, likewise, ye wives. Why does it say likewise? Well, he's continuing with an explanation here. He's continuing with examples. He's talked about being submissive to God. He's talked about being submissive to the authority in our life. He's talked about being submissive to uh, just the people all around us, how our relationship's supposed to be with everybody around us, how we're to relate uh, with our employers, with our government. And now he says, likewise, wives. Notice what he keeps doing. He keeps getting a little bit more personal with it every chance he gets here so now he's moving on to likewise you wives be in subjection to your own husbands. see the idea of a wife submitting is absolutely despised in today's culture but part of the problem is that it has been misunderstood first though god commands it submission is a voluntary act You submit by choice, not by coercion. Submission has nothing also to do with intrinsic value. 
the, the thing today is, oh, well, you know, uh, uh, she is enough. She is strong. She can do everything that a man can do. And she can do this. And she doesn't need a man in her life. She doesn't have to have this. And, and the idea in this world of submission is completely wrong. Adrian Rogers explains this well. He, he said this, Now I've said that husbands and wives are spiritually equal, but they are not the same. God made us different. He might make us one, and we need to learn that. You know, it's the devil's guise to attempt to make men and women alike under the guise of making them equal. Y'all ever notice that? The feminist... I'm going to get in trouble here. Do you know how we got where we are right now in our society? Do you know how we got here? Where people no longer want a gender. They want fluidity. They, they want to be whatever they want to be today. And tomorrow they can be something else. They want to be a man when it's convenient. They want to be a woman when it's convenient. As a matter of fact, most of them just want to erase the idea of man and woman and just be. Okay? Do you know how all that got started? It got started back in the 60s with something called the feminist movement. It all started under the guise of men and women are equal. Oh, I know this is not popular. I'm making enemies maybe. I don't know. But it's the truth. This is where it all got started. Here's the thing. Spiritually speaking, they're equal, but they're not alike. Here's what Adrian Rogers said. God made the husband with a harder exterior and He made his wife gentle and fragile, so He calls her the weaker vessel. The Bible does not say the inferior vessel. It says the weaker vessel. He goes on to say, as I've told you, steel is stronger than gold. Porcelain, you can... You know, steel is stronger than gold porcelain. You can drive a spike with a sledgehammer, but you can't, but you can't drink tea out of it. <laughs> you can drink tea out of a porcelain teacup. Silver is more fragile and beautiful than denim, and that doesn't mean that denim, because it's stronger, is intrinsically worth more. No. They all have their own roles. God has given the husband the headship in the home, and we need to understand this. I heard one preacher say, I was studying for this, I was reading one book, and he said one of the biggest problems we have right now in the church and in our society is we have too many women. He said, <laughs> I'm going to get in so much trouble. He said, we have too many bossy women that won't shut up. Amen. And too many wimpy men that won't speak up. Maybe women wouldn't have to take the charge of the households if the men were doing what God has called them to do to begin with. Amen. So a godly submissive wife is a gift from God. It's a gift from God to the husband in order to what? Complete him for God's glory. She's a picture of the Christian who is placed into the local church to make that church all that God wants it to be. Yeah. Yeah. 
They fit together and work together nicely. A husband and a wife complete each other. Proverbs 12, 4 says a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. So we see here a submissive wife, but we also see a sovereign work. Let's continue reading this. i got to hurry up. The Bible says, halfway through verse 1, it says, That if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chest conversation coupled with fear. What in the world is this talking about? Well, here's the thing. The Bible says here that the wife, to the wife that they are to submit to those husbands who don't obey the word. Even today, I, I thought about this, you know, growing up in the church and knowing, you know, know just knowing people in churches around. Uh, there's many ladies who love the Lord Jesus and they serve the Lord Jesus, but they're married to a man who is lost and cares, I couldn't care less about God, the church, or anything having to do with God. And Peter writes here that the godly wife or the godly life of a godly wife will be used by the Lord to reach that lost husband. Let me clarify something though. The Bible does tell us. I'm going to explain. I got a disclaimer here. First and foremost, the Bible does say that we are to be, we are not to be unequally yoked. And by the way, that ain't got nothing to do with race. It's got to do with a believer and a non-believer. In other words, lady, fat husband, I, I've been asked this, I, I've, I, I get friends, oh, I got to, started seeing somebody today, started talking to them today. And if I catch wind up, Nicole catches wind up, first question, oh, do they go to church or are they saved? No, no, they don't really. Okay, well, you better keep looking. Why? Because a Christian has no business marrying a non-Christian. Now, preacher, you just talked about all these ladies, you know. Yeah, and you know what happened? Many years ago, when they both got married, they were both lost as a goose. Somewhere along the way, the little lady got, ma got, got married. The little lady got saved. Yeah. Don't feel bad about that. As a matter of fact, in the book of Corinthians, we find that, you know, Paul, Paul even wrote and said, hey, ladies, if you're in that situation, don't you divorce that man. That's no grounds for divorce. And then here comes 1 Peter here when we're looking at this. and Well, well preacher, what am I supposed to do? I married my husband and, and we were lost and now I'm saved and he don't want to have nothing to do with it. Well, here's the biblical solution. Live a godly life in front of him. Here's the thing, you may not be able to get your lost family members to a church. So, you, know, you may not be able to get them to church to hear the gospel, but God can and will use your testimony to preach to them every single day. You know what we ought to do? We ought to be faithful no matter what, and we ought to watch what God can do. 
Countless testimonies have been told of people who were saved or came back to God because somebody in their family who not only, uh, someone in their family who not only never gave up praying for them, but never stopped living a godly life before them. As someone wisely said, a sermon preaches but an hour, but a life the whole week through. We ought to be godly. Christian, people are watching you. Your family are watching you. The people around us are, hey, you think this is where it all goes back to? The world is watching. Families are watching. We ought to have good testimonies. And so we see that here. The Bible talk about that. Verse 3, we find a sterling walk. The Bible says, Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and wearing of the gold, or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. So here's what we see here. We see a sterling walk. We are reading about the true beauty of a godly woman. Now, this is not forbidding adornment. There's people that believe that women shouldn't wear jewelry and they shouldn't fix up their hair and they shouldn't put on makeup and things like that. That's, if that's all you get out of this, you're missing the forest for the trees. I will say this though, for the godly woman, outward adornment is always in moderation and why do I say that? It's because her emphasis is always on inward adornment. She's concerned more with what's inside than she is outside. But there's nothing wrong. See, it's like most things. It depends on your motive. You know, there's nothing wrong with looking nice and dressing up and putting jewelry on. And you can ask my wife. I don't mind that one bit. I have told her that... And, and it's honest, as far as I'm concerned, she's beautiful just like she is. And that's the truth. Y'all were supposed to say amen. That's okay. But here's the thing. She should be more concerned about the inside. Here's the thing. If it means spending an hour less Talking to God and reading your Bible so you can put your makeup on, you ought to just leave the makeup alone. Again, it's not forbidding those things. But what the Bible's trying to tell us here is that real beauty comes from the hidden person of the heart. It isn't something that you wear, it's not something that you primp before a mirror to have, it is something you are. And so Peter described the character of true beauty. Uh, and the character of true beauty is this, a meek and quiet spirit. That's, ever, that's the exact opposite of what we see today. These character traits, they're not promoted for women by our culture, but what's the Bible say about them? They are very valuable in the sight of God. They're not very valuable in our culture today. Our, our culture is all flipped upside down. And I hope 
with even little things like this, you can understand how far away our society is from where they should be. And even us, maybe, how far away we are from where we should be. William Barclay said this, a Christian wife of those times lived in a society where she would be tempted to senseless extravagance and where she might well go in fear of her non-Christian husband's whims, but she must live in selfless service in goodness and in serene trust. That's what these verses are all about, 3 through 6. So let's look on the last verse, verse number 7. We find a sensational worth. The Bible says, likewise, here it is again. He, he's going through all of the examples. He's, he's talked about the wife, and now he's down to the husband. Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them. Who's them? The wife. Dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. And as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. So what we have now is a word to the husband. A man, according to the Bible, is to dwell with his wife according to knowledge. In other words, a husband is to dwell with her and treat her with understanding. Now, I wasn't born last night, although I was born at night. I know men are from Mars and women are from Venus. God made us that way. We are, our minds don't work the same. We don't talk the same. We don't think the same. We don't, yeah. My wife thinks about things that I never thought about. We had, we had a, uh, uh, a showing scheduled this evening. Somebody wanted to come see the house. And, and uh, well, I was hungry before church, so I heated up some fish. I'm sitting there eating it. I'm just enjoying myself, trying to eat real fast so I can get ready and take the kids, you know. She walks through there and she goes, Jonathan, what are you doing? I said, I'm eating the leftovers you brought me home. They're really good. She said, you heated up fish. Our house is going to smell like fish. And people are going to come in here and they're going to say, what is going on? This house stinks. And as I've got a piece of flounder in my mouth, I go, well, I didn't think about that. <laughs> Why didn't I think about that? Because I'm not from the same planet she's from. <laughs> Men don't think about stuff like that. You know what I thought about? I'm hungry. Here's some good food. <laughs> so what did we do? Well, we took a marker out. And we took a piece of paper and we wrote, if you smell fish, we ate it for supper. It is not the way the house smells. Yeah. Because you never know how people are. People are weird. They walk in a house and like, man, it stinks in here. I don't want this house. I don't know. I'd have never thought about it. But she does. And so guess what, husbands? We've got a really hard task. You think a wife submitting to her husband is really hard? Well, submission, submission is, a, is a voluntary act. You know, it, here, here's my thing. If a husband, here, here's been my take on it all along. 
if a husband loves his wife the way that he is commanded to in the Bible, then that wife should have no problem submitting to him and reverencing him. Submission does not mean that you're a doormat. And so, what's the word for the husband here? Well, see, a lot of guys quote just a couple of these verses and they talk about the women, but they never talk about the men. I don't like people that do that. A husband is to dwell with his wife and treat her with understanding. You know what that means? It means that even though I'm from Mars and she's from Venus or Pluto or wherever that place is, I must be loving and affectionate with her. I must be considerate and sensitive to her feelings. Even though I don't know anything about them. Even though sometimes she drops so many hints and I have no idea what she's talking about. (laughs) Gary Chapman has a book on that, by the way. It's called The Five Love Languages. And men, if you read that, you will learn so much about your wife. But you will be confused by the time you're done still because you still have to figure out which one of the love languages match her. Because there's five of them. That's five too many for me. But what's the Bible say? Bible tells a man that he is to be considerate and he is to be sensitive to the feelings of his wife. He must be loving. He must be affectionate to his wife. A Christian husband needs to know his wife's moods, his wife's feelings, his wife's needs, her fears, and her hopes. I think it's easier for a woman to submit. That's totally my opinion. I'm joking. Men, husbands, you want to know the best way to understand somebody? Spend time with them. This is important and it shows how Christianity elevated the wife in the home. I mean, I mean, you don't read this in the Quran. As a matter of fact, in the Muslim world, you know what a wife is? She's a doormat and a slave. It's pitiful. And people's got the audacity to go around saying that this word, the Bible, is a racist book and a a sexist book. Oh, my soul. It cannot be anything further than those things. People just don't read it. They assume they know what it means and what it says, but they don't read it. The wife, she's not a rug to be trampled, but the Bible says she's a queen to be honored in the home. In pagan cultures, she in most cases is abused instead of adored. She's treated like a slave and she's neglected. And sadly, in parts of Christianity, she's treated like that, but that's not because the Bible says it. God has instructed us on how husbands you treat your wives and how wives you treat your husbands. And there's one thing that is obvious at the center of it all, and that is God, and that is love. 
Why? Because God is love. And men, you need to spend time with your wives. Take her shopping, no matter how bad you hate it. Take her shopping. Go in the clothing stores with her. You may be a thousand miles away in your mind, but just be there and hold your arm out like this and let her hang her clothes on it. It means a lot. You know why? Because it means something to her. And in five minutes when we get out of this Maurice's, we're going to Bass Pro. That's what we did the other day. Yes, it was. So, Peter continues and he states that the husband is to give honor to his wife. See, the value of the right kind of wife and the right kind of mother in a home is beyond price. Proverbs 31.10 says, Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? And you know, if God commends her in such a way, we should do the same. Husbands, don't wait for your wives to love you and submit to you. You know why I say that? Because you would have never have loved or submitted to God if He hadn't taken the lead and loved you first. Start by being the right kind of husband and your wife and your children will follow in in that. We've seen in these verses the picture of an honorable home. And so I just wonder tonight how our homes size up. Let's stand and bow our heads, close our eyes. Miss Dawn, you come play for us softly. Husbands, do you have the right picture of your wife? Do you treat her 